the latest edition of March Madness 365. On this edition of our show, we'll be joined by West Virginia head coach Bob Huggins and Illinois head coach Brad Underwood. Brad Underwood, a former assistant of Bob Huggins at Kansas State. He's the former Oklahoma State and Stephen F. Austin coach. Uh, I think he's going to do wonderful things at Illinois after one season there. Certainly starting to turn things around, getting them to play to his identity, which is something that Bob Huggins has done phenomenally well in his time in Morgantown, really every, anywhere he's been, whether it's K-State or obviously at Cincinnati. You can go back to Wabash College or Akron, wherever Huggs has been. Those teams have played to his style. I think he's a Hall of Famer. He's now on the ballot to where he can get in, did not get in last season on the first time, so he will not be inducted this September. I think eventually he will get into the Hall of Fame. He is a native of West Virginia. He is beloved in that state. Obviously, Jerry West, number one. I think Bob Huggins, certainly in the top five of all-time greats in terms of West Virginia basketball lore. He is that well-liked in the state. And I thought it was an interesting interview that I want to share with you coming up here very shortly about uh, the loyalty factor of players that have played for him, why they are so passionate about playing for him. Another thing to keep in mind, uh, just as uh, you're following the sport, uh, over the next week, you're going to hear a lot about the new legislation. If you're following our social media platforms that have been going on since the Rice Commission last April, we're going to have a lot to say on this in the coming weeks. Uh, Certainly it is a hot topic, but I think, first of all, those in the game, those that follow the game, should not think that it's a dramatic change to the game. It's tweaking. It's things that I think will improve the game. Uh, get a little bit more control on the NCAA, USA basketball, NBA side, uh, and really just trying to monitor more than anything things that are happening certainly with third parties. Uh, so keep an eye for all the legislative changes that will be coming on. Uh, we're going to have some interviews over the next couple of weeks. Roy Williams of North Carolina. We had to push back John Calipari of Kentucky and Duke's Mike Krzyzewski to later in the month or early September. Uh, but uh, Roy Williams, who just had the court name for him at the Smith Center, we'll be talking to him over the next couple of weeks. But in this edition of the podcast, I want to make sure that you dive in to two interviews with Bob Huggins and Brad Underwood. And joining me now on March Madness 365, Illinois head coach Brad Underwood and uh, Brad, you guys just completed uh, this past week your summer workouts, a little break before you reconvene. Um, one thing that jumped out at me in, in watching your sort of post-media scrum is, and I know everything's optimistic, you know, <laughs> when you get in the summer, but you, the year of transition that you had last year, and there were moments, but there was some frustration. Uh, h- how would you gauge the way you feel now versus maybe you know, in some of those points during last season? Well, I, I you know, I think last season was uh, a year that, that, and I use the term fought for our culture. You know, I think it was, it was, it was a year of change. Uh, it was a year of trying to become uh, established, not just on the court, but off the court, uh, looking for an identity, trying to uh, figure out really what Illinois basketball was going to stand for. And and when we walk into an arena, uh, what an opponent should expect uh, to see from an Illinois basketball team and what, what truly is going to be our, our identity. And, and uh, uh, we worked toward that. Then uh, uh, we felt like some changes needed to happen. 
Andy, we probably expedited this. Uh, not probably, we did. Instead of trying to, to, to milk it along. And uh, the one thing that's happened is, is we've got a, a group of, of freshmen that uh, we're excited about, one junior college player and Andres Feliz and, a, and, a, and, a, and one fifth year. We've done it with guys that uh, we know are young, but we felt like uh, renting a player, so to speak, and doing that with multiple positions uh, at this point in time wasn't the answer. Uh, we needed to uh, establish who we are, get a group of guys that uh, – love to play, uh, want to play for the University of Illinois, and let's help uh, establish a foundation and a base. And And uh, I feel great about the veterans that are back, and, and we've got we've got three walk-ons that are part of that. We've got a group of seven guys that, that all know our system, uh, are all committed to uh, the University of Illinois, and, and uh, they're helping teach and lead. And, uh, you know, we're, we're laying a, a, a very, very solid foundation with this group. All right, so when you walk into an arena next year or next season in a few months, uh, what will that identity look like? Well, I think we're going to be a team that, uh, you know, style of play, you know, we're, we're, we're different. Uh, I think we're a team that, uh, you know, plays aggressively. I think we've added length, athleticism. Uh, I think, you know, our identity is, is going to be we're going to be a hard-playing, tough Every play is is uh, against Illinois is going to be one that uh, uh, there's no plays off. You're going to have to bring it, and and uh, we try to do that every day. We have a moniker that everyday guys uh, is who we are. It's on our shirts. It's in our locker room, and and that's what we want to establish. And then uh, well, that's what you are too. You're an everyday guy. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it's a, it it took me 26 years to become a head coach, and I like to think of myself as a grinder and a guy who's 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 had to do it that way and and i want my teams to uh to play that way and and uh illinois is a special place and it's got great fan base and great support and you know we've got to get guys that, that play for the name uh on the front more so than the name on the back and and uh, we're trending that way and and uh, i feel great about this class they're all winners you know, I, I think we wanted to win last year. I don't think we expected to win. And there's a big, big difference. And uh, the one thing that uh, this group does is we've got state champions. We've got a national junior college championship. Uh, we've recruited guys with that pedigree. So uh, it's been very evident in our workouts this summer because the, the competitiveness is, is way up. You know, one thing that you said that really struck me was when you're recruiting, you're looking more at length than height. Explain that. Yeah, I mean, if if a guy's uh, you know six ten and all he wants to do is is shoot jump shots, that size doesn't necessarily come into to play. You know, we look for guys, and, and I use Demonte Williams as a great example. Demonte's a guy that's you know six three with a six eleven wingspan. Well, those arms and and that length get get in passing lanes, and and he utilizes them on the glass. And there's so many ways to utilize length and you look at Tevian Jones and and uh, Alan Griffin uh Georgie Bishnavelli is is a guy that is 69610 is you know plus 4 in length and so we look for that sure do you need some size absolutely uh but, but we really look for length uh in terms of the way we play and trying to deflect balls and and, and rebound and so on and so forth it's a good advantage for us you know recruiting uh, from Illinois into Chicago has always been sort of hanging over the program. Uh, some have been able to do it, some haven't. Uh, getting into Chicago is never easy. And we've seen there's been, you know, tremendous players that have come out of there that have blossomed. Someone like Anthony Davis, you know, Derek Rose, who came obviously out of there with plenty of hype. 
What has been your philosophy there, and, and how do you feel about year one of recruiting in the city? Oh, I think Chicago's been great. I think it's been. I think it's. Uh, I've been so impressed with with the level of coaches, the uh, the relationships. We've worked really hard at building relationships there. It's um, you know I, I think that uh, you can't totally get consumed with it. I mean, there's there's a lot of good players out there. We've got a we've got a very uh, worldly staff. And, and guys know players all over. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take the right pieces. I think we play a style of play that fits Chicago. I think it fits Illinois. I think it fits who we are: hard, hardworking, tough, and 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 up tempo. And I think uh, young people want to play that way. Uh, so I think there's a lot of positives that way. And, and uh, now we've got to do our part. We've got to we got to be able to to lure them. We've got a world class. Uh, academic school and and uh, where, where basketball is a passion and uh, you know I, we've got to make that uh, a winner and I think then it'll all uh, really fall into place. Now you mentioned worldly. You've got three international players who actually played in the United States, but three international. Andres Feliz, originally from the Dominican, he's from the junior college player referencing Northwest Florida State. Uh, Samba Kane, uh, who is from the Senegal but played at Florida Prep Academy. And then Georgie, and I want – can you spell his last name, let alone pronounce it? No. Uh, don't ask me to spell it. And I was I was a good speller, Andy, but uh, no, that one's got uh, – that one will be fun for the jersey maker to put that one on the back. And our poor radio guy having to pronounce that. Uh, but uh, – yeah, yeah, So we got B-E-Z-H-A-N-I-S-H-V-I-L-I. Can I have another vowel, please? Vision in a valley. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. So talk to me about the international players there. Well, I, I think there's. it's been a great avenue for us. Uh, Orlando Antique has done a tremendous job in that area, and uh, I've got a past with that. I think it's a way to uh, uh, find very, very good players. And uh, uh, you get a young man in Andres Feliz who's uh, – uh, he's played on multiple national teams with the Dominican. He's a guy that uh, uh, the game, there's a maturity about his game. Uh, it's the same with Georgie. And, and Georgie's, the, the game doesn't get sped up for him, for either one of those guys. There's always an adjustment with the physicality that the U.S. plays with and maybe the speed, uh, but but they they adjust to that. They're, uh, all those young men are very committed to the to the academic sector. Uh, and they're very committed to uh, to being great players. They know how to work. So it's been a really positive avenue for us, and one we'll continue to uh, to explore. Two other players I just want to hit you with. One, DeMonte Williams. I heard you say that you don't know if there's been a player that's improved as much. This is Frank Williams' son, making all of us feel old. Uh, so let me address that one first. Uh, you've been a coach for a long time. I mean, that, that's putting him in some rare air to say it's rare to see someone who's improved as much as he has. Why? Yeah, you know, here's a young man who came in, and, and, and Andy, I was unfair to him last year. Uh, we really talked up until the start of practice uh, the week before about redshirting. Uh, he had no offseason last year. He was coming off an ACL, which he did not play his senior year in high school. And then, boom, practice starts, and he, he's impacting practice. That's his, uh, his, his first practice was uh, – our first practice was the first day he was cleared. And now we're throwing him in games, and we're doing it at the Big Ten level, and, and he's impacting those games. His body wasn't up to speed. His athleticism wasn't back. Uh, you could see a little bit of lack of confidence, but yet 
he does so many things well that he impacted games. And uh, this offseason has been tremendous for him. Uh, he's changed his body. He's got his athleticism back. He's added game to him from the offensive standpoint. He's just made huge strides, and, and he's a natural leader. And, uh, you know, just the confidence that has come with, with his, his physical changes and his health, he's just made tremendous strides. And, and, and I meant what I said. He's, he's, he's improved as much as anybody I've seen. And Trent Frazier, what are the chances that he could be, you know, an All-American? I mean, obviously he was All-Big Ten, but, like, realistically compete for, like, the Big Ten Player of the Year and be one of those guys that we're talking about as one of the top players in the country. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. Trent's unique. Uh, there's not very many players that, that you go out and, and you literally say you can't guard him. And, and he can get a shot on anybody. He's pound for pound the strongest guy on our team. You know, he touched out at 11 feet four yesterday for a six foot guard. You know, that's getting up. And, you know, and then he's he's really worked hard this offseason on on. Um, he was a left hand dominant guy last year. And now he's really worked hard on going right. He's he's a, he's a gym rat. He's a he's fearless. He's a kid that uh, has um, tremendous swagger, tremendous confidence. And, and, and yet bringing this group of guys in who are extremely competitive and Io DeSumo and Andres Felice and, and going against DeMonte every day, they've helped Trent become better. And that's, uh, that's exciting because I expect him to have a great year this year. The schedule's brutal in a good way because I think you're going to know a lot about your team early with an improving Georgetown team that's going to come in, which is a great get, obviously, to have you know brand name like that in Champaign. And then you open Maui with what I think – you know, could be the top team in America, if not top one, you know, certainly top five in Gonzaga. The other side of that is Arizona, Iowa State. I mean, so it's, I mean, the whole, the Maui Invitational is phenomenal this year. And then Notre Dame and the ACC Big Ten Challenge, even though they're uh, retooling a little bit, it's a road game in South Bend. You got UNLV, of course, the bragging right game against Missouri. They have Jonte Porter back. Uh, and East Tennessee State, by the way, had a great year last year. You've got them coming into Champaign. Um, by the time you get to the Big Ten, you're going to know a lot about your team. Uh, was the thinking in putting this together, and some of it obviously was picked for you, that you would have a team that would be ready to sort of handle something like this? Well, I think the one thing that, that we've tried to do is is recruit under the premise that, that uh, uh, guys want to play in big games. Um, and obviously, uh, going to 20 conference games, the Big Ten is as rigorous as any conference in America. Uh, this year will be no different. Uh, top to bottom, it's loaded. Uh, but I think the one thing you have to do is is you have to find ways to, to challenge your team. And, and I'm a big believer in that, um, you know, we're the 11th ranked program in the history of college basketball, according to the AP. And that was decided a year ago. And, and, and we use that. But to be at that level, you need to play people at that level and you need to find ways to beat them. And uh, I've never shied away from that. Um, I, I said that in my opening press conference that, that we were going to we were going to play good people. And uh, obviously we're going to play uh, in Maui. We're going to see teams that are you know littered throughout the top 10. And then you're going to see uh, a Georgetown team that is as uh, uh, one of the elite centers in the country. That parlays into uh, what you see in Big Ten play. You're going to see a team in Notre Dame that uh, 
has one of the great traditions in college basketball, great home court. And, you know, we set the UNLV game a year ago. They're extremely talented. And so it's a, it's a schedule that uh, we're excited about. Yes, we'll be challenged. But I think the one thing you'll see with our group is uh, we'll be a better team in December than we were in November. And I think we'll be a better team in January because the upside, knowing we're going to play a lot of youth and a, a lot of young guys, these guys are going to continue to gain confidence and gain experience. And, and, and that's, uh, that lends itself for improvement. So, you know, you get to the, the meat of league play. I think you'll see a very, very, uh, solid uh, Illinois basketball team. Yeah, there's no question, Brad. I mean, when I was doing these like off-season power rankings, you know, it was hard not to put you guys in the bottom third, but there's no way I think you're going to, based on just, you know, what other people have come back with, I, I think there's no way you finish down there. I think this is a team that's going to keep getting better and better. And it's certainly going to be in the mix, you know, for some sort of postseason, whether it's NCAA or NIT, you know, come uh, come March. One last thing before I let you go. Also, have Bob Huggins on the pod podcast. Just very quickly, just what has he meant to you in your career? A great deal. Um, and I, I say that not just as a coach. Uh, you're talking about a, a guy who's uh, uh, one of the elite human beings. Uh, he's one of the kindest. Uh, people don't see that. But but just genuine uh, man's man. I think that um, what he has done in his career, approaching 900 wins, and and you look at the places that he's done that, Andy. You're talking Walsh College, Akron, Cincinnati, Kansas State, and now West Virginia. Those aren't the blue bloods. And uh, to go out and and prove through hard work and commitment and consistency. Uh, in his in in his approach to doing things, there's no doubt that guy's a Hall of Famer and um, should be sooner than later. But um, gosh, he's uh, he's a dear friend. He's a he's a confidant. I talk to every day, and and uh, I'm here today because of of an opportunity he gave me, and uh, it was a 15 year relationship that. Uh, is now turned into 25 and the opportunity to work for him. So I'm, I'm blessed to work for him. Brad, I appreciate it. I know we will talk soon. Thank you. Thanks, Andy. Coming up next here on March Madness 365, West Virginia head coach Bob Huggins. And now joining me here on March Madness 365, West Virginia head coach Bob Huggins. Uh, Bob, before we get to your team, uh, Javon Carter ends up you know, once again, proving people wrong uh, with his professional uh, looks that he was getting, you know, and, and once again, he, he continues to impress upon coaches, administrators, now those in a franchise that he deserves to play at that next level. What were your impressions of what he was able to accomplish in summer league? I wasn't surprised at all. I mean, that that's him. His work ethic is unparalleled. He works so hard. He he cares so much. He's a special guy. It's a great, obviously, you know, role model and mentor. I think for guys that are going to come through your program, you know, he'll be in Memphis, and uh, you know, just just a great example of what you guys obviously have been able to produce there. Um, so let's look ahead. What what you got coming back? You know, Carter obviously was a senior. He, he moves on. Kanate, uh, Sagaba Kanate, you know, decides to flirt a little and then comes back and really could be one of the more special players next season. What do you think of the way he handled that process? I thought he handled it very professionally. You know, his, 
idea going in was, you know, if I'm a first rounder, I've got to look really hard at it. And if I'm not a first rounder, I need to come back. I'll continue to work on my game, continue to expand my game and be a first rounder next year. You know, his performance in the NCAA tournament with that when against Villanova, I mean, it was that back and forth with him and, and Spellman. I mean, he it was eye opening. Um, what aspects of his game do you think could continue to grow? Because we know he's got that ability to block shots and he can be physical and intimidate and bored. But what's that other aspect? Well, I think I think he's he's worked really hard at becoming a good jump shooter. And, you know, we'll, I think we'll be able to do with him much like we did with Kevin Jones. You know, Kevin Jones was a, a very good post player, putting people on his back, scoring, but he could also step out and, and make threes. And so we did a lot of pick and pop, a lot of misdirection things to get him step in threes. And I don't see any reason why we can't do that with Sags. And then how about in the way in which he can complement with uh, or vice versa with Asa Ahmad? Well, you know, Asa is, is, is really good without the ball. He's got a great understanding how to play. We've got to get him to, be, to, to, to play without the ball more because he, he's, a, he's a great cutter. He, he sees things. I mean, not that we're not going to have the ball in his hands. We are. And, and and just to, to I think rebounded better. He's 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 capable of of being a terrific rebounder from the three spot. So you can't just replace Javon, but uh, who will be in that position that you'll need, uh, you know, to to sort of eat up those minutes and be that kind of ball harasser, if you will, uh, to at least begin the process of replacing him. Well, I think I think it'll be done by committee. Brandon Napper, uh, Brent Sherwood last year. Yeah, I think he's he's capable. Jordan McCabe is certainly, uh, particularly at the offensive side of the ball, I think going to be terrific. Uh, Beetle Bolden can play either one of the guard spots. Chase Harler's had a great summer. We've got a bunch of guys. Jermaine Haley at whatever he is, six foot seven, uh, played point guard a year ago at Odessa. Uh, Trey Dooms is. I think very capable. He's one of our better athletes. So we've got people, Andy. It's just a matter of which one of them kind of learns uh, how to play the soonest. When you're grooming these guys, someone like Brandon who sat out, um, what do you want them to notice the most as they're observing to, you know, someone like Javon or, you know, what you want them to do when it's their turn to shine? Well, I, th- I think the thing that everybody needs to take away from Javon was not only did he spend a lot of time in the gym, he spent a lot of time watching film. You know, when your assists go from, you know, when you're a, you're a point guard one year and you have whatever, you know, 50, 60 assists, and the next year you have 250, it's a, it's a product of knowing where your teammates are. And it's a, it's a product of knowing who comes open first, uh, who to look for after if that one's covered, uh, to, to be able to read a screen and see if they're 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 over helping on the screen where a guy can slip the screen and and be able to deliver the ball. It's it's getting better in transition, being able to make the right pass in transition. So uh, they can learn a lot of things from from JC's maturity as a, a guy who was a uh, who was a really a forward in high school to one of the better point guards in the country. 
you know, one last thing on Javon, and I just, I loved covering him, everything about him. Uh, and I love the way, you know, he appreciated you. And that has been always a common theme. Uh, when you hear that, you know, from the other side, how much they've appreciated you and, you know, the sort of the tough love at times, but, you know, they, they would run through a wall for you. How does that make you feel about the way in which you've been able to impact their lives and make that connection with them? Even if they're, you know, if they're there the four years or one year or two years, it seems like it's a consistent thing that has been with you regardless of where you've been. Well, hopefully that means we're doing things the right way. Um, I mean, I still have I still have a great relationship with the Kenyon Martins, the Corey Blunts, the Nick Van Exels, and a whole bunch of guys that the, the Sean Myricks that people haven't heard about, Dewan Baker. Uh, I mean, those guys. Keith Greger. Keith Greger comes to two or three games a year in Morgantown from Cincinnati. So, I mean, it. I think I think you treat people the right way and and it's a matter of spending time and communicating and making sure they understand why you do what you do because i've observed this obviously over the you know close to 30 years and i've seen you know not there's not just one right way but in observing the way you've done it is that there's this mutual respect too that you've been able to earn and they know what you demand of them but yet they know they can rely on you. What's that process like of building that, at least in the early stages, especially when you get true freshmen? Mm, I, I think it's a little bit harder now than what it used to be uh, because of social media. I thought before it was a little easier. You know, Kenyon Martin came in when we had Danny Fortson and Jackson Jolson and Bob Brannon and on and on. We had, we had, we had quality bigs and, he came in and, and worked like crazy, didn't take a back seat, and ended up starting the end of his freshman year because he earned it. And I still speak frequently with Kenyon. And, to, to I mean, you think about what that guy did. I mean, he comes back from a broken leg when people were unsure of whether he'd ever play again to playing, what, 14, 15 years, being an NBA All-Star. But I, you know, and here the, the truth of the matter is, I didn't, I didn't solely give Jawan Carter his work ethic. That came from the way he was raised. It came from from who he is. Kenyon Martin came in with incredible toughness and a great work ethic. I didn't give him that, you know. And and I think the guys who who succeed and the guys who are able to continue to play at the highest level obviously you have to have you have to have you know good to great athleticism but the work ethic the toughness they they come in with that i mean we can make them a little tougher but we're not going to make a soft guy tough that doesn't happen the schedule as always uh, you never shy away from every from anyone you know what you've put together so far you know with the tournament you've got uh, a UCF team that I think could compete for the AAC title. You got the game against Florida in the Jimmy V. Rhode Island will still be, I think, pretty decent. And then the game that was handed to you against the co-SEC champs uh, in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. 
against Tennessee in Knoxville. How do you assess the schedule before you even get to, I mean, I know that game's in the January, but before you even get, for the most part, to what will once again be a league that from 1 to 10 will be as good as any in the country? Well, I mean, I think along with that, we're playing Buffalo, which lost one right. guy Excuse me. Yep. To, a, to a back champion who's who's going to be for that's, that's our opening game. We're playing Ryder, who was in the top four in the RPI. They got upset in their conference championship, had an unbelievable year, and they have everybody back. So we just, you know, what I'm trying to explain to our guys is we can't we can't take nights off. We just can't we can't show up and think we're going to win because it says West Virginia. We're going to have to come in and beat people. And you know, we played Buffalo what two or three years ago in the NCAA tournament, and I mean, it was a dogfight right to the bitter end. And and Devin Williams was just he he was absolutely incredible and continued to give a second third shots or. We we don't beat them then, so we've got a we've got a very challenging schedule. But you know, Andy, it it, it ought to get us ready for the Big Twelve because there aren't any nights off in the Big Twelve. It's the hardest league I've ever coached in, and I, the the best coach league I've ever coached in. It's night in and night out. You better bring it. And so hopefully, our young guys, our new guys, they learn that from our non conference schedule. Are you uh, going with Kansas uh, or K-State at the top if you had to pick one right now? I don't know. All, all, all the experts are saying Kansas. So, I mean, who am I to differ with them? You know, the, you know, the people of your elk, you know? Yes. Uh, so, I mean, you guys seem to always have the last say anyway. So why would I, why would I differ? Last two things, Bob. One is also on the podcast. I have Brad Underwood. And he just cannot say uh, enough great things about you, which is understandable. Uh, what has he meant to you? Well, think about the staff that, that, that I have. I mean, you know, I, I, the people at Kansas State were phenomenal and the, the administration and everybody. But, you know, you got to keep in mind that I brought Frank Martin, Delonte Hill, uh, Brad Underwood, and Eric Martin with me. And, and, I think, you know, everybody's seen what Frank can do. People uh, have seen what Brad can do. When Delonte and Eric get their chance, they're going to they're gonna have the same results. I mean, they, they are they're great basketball people, and I've been blessed, you know. I mean, I've been blessed. I've been blessed to have people around me that love basketball, that are hard workers, that care, you know, and I think that's it. You know, when I – people say, what do you look for in an assistant coach? I look for guys who care. Who care care about the players? Care about the community? Care about the school? Care about the state? And and most importantly, care about our players. And lastly, Bob, you know, a roster like this, where you have a couple holdovers, new guys that are you're going to sort of, you know, get you know essentially in line the way you love to play. Uh, how much does that sort of continue pushing you? Because I know you're not close to stopping anytime soon, but having a new group that you can mold uh, like this one. Andy, we've got a new group on the perimeter, but I think when you look at Issa Mott, he's been a four-year starter. I think everybody knows what Sagabaugh did a year ago. Lamont West was having a fantastic year, and I, I think really think we could have really done some things had he not got hurt. I mean, he, he tore three ligaments in his wrist and didn't make a shot the second half of the year. He never said a word about it, you know. Just you know, don't, we're we're trying to figure out why he can't make shots because he's always made shots. And 
and with three torn ligaments in your wrist, that that has a tendency to happen. And you know, we got Logan Rout back, who's seven foot tall, and and really played quality minutes for us a year ago. On top of having and, and Wes Harris, who started every game for us a year ago, and then having Derek Culver and Andrew Gordon. I mean, we our front line is. It can match, I think, anybody's in the country. It might be the we best. Get, well, I mean, it's if it's not the best, it's close. So you know, we just we just got to get we got to get these guards uh, ready to play. That's all. Well, Bob, I appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the summer, and as always, thanks for talking to me. Andy, always a pleasure. You can listen to March Madness 365 at NCAA.com or subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts. And please be sure to leave us a rating and review while you're there. And you can always find us on Google Home and Amazon Alexa. Just say, hey, Alexa, hey, Google. Play the March Madness 365 podcast. And as always, look for our podcast on NCAA.com and all our March Madness social media platforms. I'm Andy Katz. Thanks for listening.